Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lay Bear podcast, an audio experience designed to decode leadership and inspire action. Being a forward-thinking leader and game changer, you've tuned in to discover pragmatic tips and hints on leadership from the very best leaders. Each episode is dedicated to sharing pragmatic stories from the field and more importantly, real examples of what successful leaders are actually doing to deliver at pace. With so much to share, let's hand over to your host, Graham Wilson. It's clear that we live in a fast-moving world and one of the things I think a mistake that many leaders make is they look backwards too much. It's great to learn from the past, isn't it? But when you think about today's world and the pace of change, we need to be really thinking about what does the future look like? What does the future of work look like? What does the future of leadership look like? And that's what really excites me. And today's guest is someone who I've had many conversations with and aligned to what we're thinking in terms of future leadership. And he's a partner of the Future Work Forum. So spends a lot of time working with some really amazing people to discuss and debate and think about what success looks like in the future. And I'm really excited to welcome today's guest. It's someone I've worked with in the past who has had huge success as a global business leader, innovator, CEO, MD, country turnaround specialist, someone that I have a lot of respect for as a person, but also for what they've achieved from a leadership point of view in terms of their career. Hello, Stuart. It's great to be with you today. I'm really looking forward to exploring leadership and certainly looking at what your thoughts are about leadership going forward and what the future of leadership looks like. So a big hello from me. Yeah. Hello, Graham. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you about a, a topic that, um, you know, is very close to my heart and, and something that, you know, I've had the fortune to you know act as a leader in in many organizations throughout my career and um you know th- thank you for giving me the opportunity to you know discuss my thoughts with you that's great i know we've we've done work together in the past haven't we and uh, we've we've seen uh, how you developed as a leader and you've got a lot of international experience as well and a lots of cultural experience so tell people obviously you're not everyone will know who you are so tell people a little bit about perhaps your your background Stuart and I think the context is quite useful isn't it and, and where you're up to now and a little bit about your journey so far yeah sure um I, I think I think everybody has a has their own leadership journey and a lot of your leadership style is is defined by your experiences I, I think that leadership comes you know both from from instinct you know from common sense but it can also be coached and trained as well. And I think that, that my own leadership has evolved over time as, as a result of the experience that I've had. And, and one of the things I'd like to do is just give, give yourself a little bit of, of, of my backstory, because I think, I think we're all shaped a little bit by our, our history and our upbringing. And, um, and, and, and a lot of what happened, you know, particularly during, during my childhood and early years, years also helped to shape my my personal drive for those of you who don't know me and obviously that's probably quite a few people i was born and brought up in in yorkshire i was the youngest of four children and all my all my siblings had two brothers and a sister they both left school at 16 with no qualification which gives you a a little bit of feeling Mm. of the kind of social background that i was from and also my my father died in in my formative years um he, he passed away when i was a teenager and you know it was at that point that um you know, I could have either kind of followed, you know, followed in the footsteps of, of my siblings and left school at 16. But uh, I decided that, you know, there was probably a little bit more out there for me. And uh, I took the decision at a very, a very young age that, you know, I actually rather than talking to 
career advisors about which kind of path to take, uh, I realized that most of the people who looked successful were wearing suits. Right. So my, my first, my first, um, my first objective in life was get enough qualifications that would allow me to join a company where I could wear a suit. Fantastic. So, um, you know, a, a very kind of simple, you know, objective, but mm. something that actually drove my behavior, you know, at, at a very young age. And, um, you know, you suddenly start to realize that you can, you know, you can, you can break the kind of paradigm, you can, you can break the pattern and you can kind of, you know, achieve anything. And, you know, my, my career really from, from starting with as a salesperson with Cadbury's, um, has been mainly through kind of commercial roles, sales management, you know, sector controller, managing key accounts, you know, all, all the way through to strategy roles mm. um, with the Boots Group and and then to Novartis, which is obviously a big pharmaceutical Swiss giant where I mm. was a sales director. Um, and, and, and all the way through, really, it was, a, you know, it, it has been a journey of of, of learning. And I think you know, I've, I've learned from every situation that I've been put in. And, and it wasn't until I was probably in my time at Novartis that I started to realize that, you know, leadership is also an art. Leadership is something mm. that you can that you can become a, a student of. That's a really interesting point there, isn't it? Leadership being an art form. I think it's, uh, I think I totally agree with that. I was just actually thinking that next year. When, can you remember your first suit? Can you remember... When you yeah, I do it. remember my first suit. <laughs> Absolutely terrific. I was given the opportunity by Cadbury's to take over a, a sales territory in Yorkshire. And um, I went down to Bourneville, where, where their yeah. head yeah. office was. And, um, you know, they said I had to I had to dress in a suit and I was given a company car and I felt absolutely terrific. And I thought I'd already achieved, you know, the ultimate. Um, yeah. But it, it, it it's only through the realisation that, you know, you can do one job particularly successfully that then mm. also then starts to make you believe you can move on and do other things. And, you know, and, and then individuals that you're surrounded by, you know, who, who also believe in you can have a profound impact on you. And I think that's one of the things as as a leader, you need to be aware of the profound impact you can have on others because, you know, it all comes from that inherent belief and the the willingness to take a step forward you know, sometimes into the unknown. And, and and it's only by doing that do you actually ever fulfill fulfill your potential. And, you know, I think what stops a lot of very talented people being more successful and more, you know, it is because they just don't take that step. I think the self-doubt controls them. And, mm. you know, as, as a leader, if you see that potential in someone, you know, through through coaching and mentoring and, and support, you can help them to to be the best they can be. And, in a broader organizational sense, you know, the more people operating at their full potential, the more successful you're likely to be. Exactly. What was it that that happened or what was it in terms of your thinking that helped you realize actually that leadership actually is a, an art form? I can reflect back on, I, I attended a Harvard Business Review course when I was working, I was working at um, Sonova and, mm. and part, sorry, no, I was working at Novartis and Part of that um, leadership course also introduced me to transformational leadership, which which I'd never come across that term mm. until until it was kind of fully explained that, you know, transformational leadership is, is a way of, you know, a- engaging people in a, you know, in a central purpose 
not not leading them in a command and control mm. style, but actually leading them in a way that allows them as individuals to tap into their own their own potential. And 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 I think understanding that there was this difference between dictatorial leadership mm. and command mm. and control and transformational leadership. And there was a case study that we covered with. Um, I think it was the German football team case study when Jürgen Klinsmann took over as the coach mm. who you know moved from moved from a very directive approach to a to a much more team orientated approach where where you know all the players were able to input but they had a common set of values a common set of beliefs and they built inherent trust in each other mm. um with, with a with a core vision and I think I think it was around about that time that I realized that leadership was, you know, and very much is it is an art form. And it's something that by studying leadership, by studying the behaviors of great leaders in many, many different fields, you can start to then define your own set of leadership principles and your own leadership values that that make you authentic. Because Absolutely. if not true to your values, then you 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 lack authenticity and people won't trust you. So I always say to people that are in the, you know, they're ambitious as leaders is start to write down your values, write down what, what, you know, leadership beliefs you have and, mm. you know, think of the things that are important to you and don't, don't expect them to be the same as mine because you're, you're, you're a unique leader. Every leader is unique. But um, by doing that, you, you make yourself more authentic and other people also understand as a leader, what to expect from you. So I'm very keen on sharing my own leadership values with with new teams when uh, when I when I take over new roles, as an example. I think that's really important, that ability to be able to articulate your leadership philosophy and, and what's important to you and who you are as a person and how you then lead and what your expectations are, because that that gives people clarity then, doesn't it, in terms of who you are as a person and you know, what you're expecting from them. And then I think that then builds the trust on it because they can start to predict how you're going to behave. So if, if you were to define you know, your your leadership philosophy, what would what would that be in a few words? How would you, you know, I'm a big fan of one pages, aren't you? And, and yeah. the simplicity yeah. aspect, but what would you say your leadership philosophy actually is now, Stuart, based on what you've learned so far? My, my leadership philosophy is that people need to be at the heart of, of leadership, trust, trust, trust and empathy, compassion, um are all kind of key words that i would use to describe you know what what's important to me in my leadership ethos mm -hmm. you know i i do try and help people to be become the best they can be and i'm also very much aware of you know in the majority of cases as a leader you will have stakeholders mm -hmm. and you need to satisfy those stakeholders and i try and combine the capabilities of people with performance and, and allow people to grow and I, th I think in simple terms you know i want to help people yeah you know, i genuinely want to help people be the best they can be even if they overtake me in their success or in mm -hmm. a in a hierarchy structure because what's the alternative to that that you mm -hmm. suppress people that you keep them mm -hmm. down you don't develop them that they that the, the talent you have you know leaves your organization so i i think that would be probably probably what sums me up is I'm, I'm a great believer in in respect and i think that's probably the central word yeah that, that, that i would use that you know you know life is life is about respecting individuals but you know respecting their beliefs and embracing embracing diversity which is a, you know a very heavily used term at the moment but to me that's just respecting individuals and mm. um, 
mm. allowing to, them to be who they are and you know respecting their opinions and ideas definitely I, th- I think it's great great philosophy i love i love that approach and the whole approach about how you i, I call it awakening possibility in people to deliver extraordinary results and that's yeah. really what you say now isn't it about how do i how do i enable people to be the best they can be and that whole concept of people enable them to to be successful and make sure they're playing to position and given the opportunity to perform all those key elements which 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 are great i guess the trick isn't that one of the things i think about leadership as an art form is around how you then translate your your principles your your philosophy for like of leadership how do you then translate that into into your ways of working and your your habits and your routines and rituals so what what sort of things do you do from a leadership point of view that translate that into like tangible things like that you would do on a day-to-day basis to actually make that happen yeah no it's a really good point and i think one of the things that i remain very very conscious of is um i always remind myself of and i think the stephen covey book on seven mm. habits of highly successful people is is terrific for anybody to read mm. at any at any stage um and it's you know to me it stands the test of time but the, there's one there's one element in there that always I, I always remind myself on on a daily basis which is you know always always seek to first understand so mm. always make sure that you're actually asking questions and actively listening to what people are saying and I, I encourage people who work for me to are you really seeking to understand here or are you jumping to a conclusion based on your, your previous experiences mm, mm. and um i think you know i use that in a very in a very tangible tangible sense I, I believe in agile working i believe in trust and i think you know as a leader when i've managed teams in the past i i don't kind of record where people are i'm not mm. watching them like a hawk i i trust I trust in their ability to focus on getting the job done. So mm. for, for me, you know, I don't mind in a way where they do that, how they do that, how they combine that with their, you know, with their lifestyles and their families. Um, it, it's about trust and it's about output. So I'm, I'm a great believer in agile working. Um, mm. And, you know, I think that drives efficiency, but more because trust is at the heart of, a leader implementing agile working but, mm-hmm. um, that you know to me it's the trust that gets built up that people are, are more likely to to respond I, I also in leadership you know I, I give feedback on a regular basis and if people trust your motive which is to help them be the best they can be you can give fairly direct feedback you can give feedback on a daily basis that you know you don't wait until a half year review to shock someone with a yeah. With, a, with an opinion or a view of them and therefore you end up in a confrontation and you and you burn the trust between you I think giving feedback on a constant basis as a leader to the people around you and, and also welcoming feedback to yourself is, is is part and parcel of of day-to-day working and and people almost then you know when they trust your motive they're almost asking you for constructive feedback rather than worrying about what the half year or annual review is going to do that's so true yeah. I, I i hate that uh, the dreaded appraisal approach and the the annual review all that stuff it's uh, so old world isn't it really and there's a couple of points there that, that, that jumped out for me one was around this concept of agile working which uh, we, we know is really really important in today's world that aspect of of leadership about you know trusting people around 
you know, giving people that direction and clarity about where we want to get to and, and what's important, our values, but then really giving them that autonomy really to perform. And, and then you're there really to support them, aren't you? And help them to be the best they can be. So that intent, I think, is really important. One of the things I picked up from working with athletes who have retired and when they talk about their coaches and you know how they develop them to be world class and, and they, they all of them have said to me is that you know they only work with a coach as long as they know the coach cares for them. And yes. I think that's uh, an interesting yep. aspect from a leadership point of view, isn't it? Where, yes. you know, we have to have that right intent, don't know, that we are there for them. We want them to to be the best they can be. And we're mm-hmm. there to support and enable them to, to be successful. And I think once we've got that in place, then you're right. You're that, you're that feedback, that, that courageous conversation. It's interesting. I, I use the word courageous conversations there, but I, I always find it interesting in business where in business, we call them courageous conversations, or I think in America, they call them fierce conversations, don't they? Or, um, you know, challenging conversations. And in sport, yeah. I think it's really interesting because it's just an honest conversation. <laughs> this yeah. Round. Yeah, you're yeah. either performing or you're not. There's no scale. You're either on track or off track. And I'm here to help you. If I'm your coach, I'm here to help you to get back on track and be the best you can be. Exactly. And, and there's a phrase, Graham, that I, you know, I kind of stole from, um, I stole from a previous managing director who also went on to be on the main board of coca-cola and i remember being in a meeting with her and she 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 once she once said to me she said i've got a healthy dissatisfaction with everything right and i I, well hang on a minute i i don't understand that so you're never satisfied and she said well she said i believe in people she said but i don't have you know, I can only focus on continuous improvement if I have a healthy dissatisfaction. So, mm. you know, and I thought actually now, now I kind of get it. It's this understanding that it's okay to have a healthy dissatisfaction because that's part of the growth mindset. Mm. That's part of saying, you know, what I've done is great. Let's reflect on it. Let's learn, but let's also say what what could we have done better? And I think, you know, that's what elite sports people do, isn't it? They're always they're even they're analyzing their best performance ever to say, actually, what, what could I have maybe done differently even in that situation? Mm. Um, I, I think if we could get that mindset and, and get people comfortable with that, that that would be amazing wouldn't it, in terms of a cultural thing. And I, I always talk about you know, this you know, leaders all about how you create a high performance culture, you know, high performance environment where success is inevitable. And you describe that, articulate that really well, is it where you, you want people, don't you, to be almost like constantly dissatisfied but wanting to improve what they do in that contingent improvement approach and and challenge themselves and you know with that right support and, and i guess if it's if it's high challenge without the support then it's really scary but if you've got that high challenge and the support then that's when it gets really exciting because sports people they're, they're constantly trying to improve what they do but they're still passionate on it and they're still excited and they still got energy because they've yeah. got this vision of, of where they want to go and they've got the support in place so yeah, yeah. good point there i like that i like that saying and that's exactly how they you know that's exactly the language that they use you know the top sports people are often you know they're they're, they're not they won't praise themselves they'll quickly analyze their performance and i think yeah. you know i i think you know you can learn a lot from you know i remember you know sir, sir alex ferguson in his leadership approach you know, he wouldn't overly celebrate his successes because mm. he knew what was more important was the next season or the next trophy that they were going to be focused yeah. on. And, yeah. You know, and they used, you know, they never used to over celebrate a, a semi-final victory because it wasn't the final mm. and they needed to, you know, use, keep their energy for the, for the final, not, not, not burn it up in over, yeah. you know, over celebrating before the actual, 
you know, before the actual trophy has been won or before you've actually achieved your budget for the year. So, you know, in, in business terms, you know, I, I used to always not dampen things down, but not overly celebrate when we have a successful quarter. Let's celebrate, but let's do it in moderation and let's yeah. keep our eyes focused on the ultimate goal. Um, and, and I think, you know, in business, that's important because, mm. you know, and, and you and I, you know, I'm sure you've seen it as well, where failure so often begins with success because mm. the success breeds an arrogance. Yeah. The arrogance leads to failure to change and then mm. failure to change it equals lack of improvement and somebody overtakes you or you you mm. start to underperform. So I'm, I'm always highly conscious of that mindset in business when when you get some results, you pat people on the back, you you celebrate performance, but you've got to make sure it doesn't then, you know, the outcome of that isn't kind of an arrogant mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're basking on the Sunday for success. It leads to change, you know, you shut your mind down from development. Yeah, and then that's, you know, it leads to failure. So it's interesting, but yeah, I, I take great pleasure from making, you know, making people think about who they are, you know, mm. build greater self-awareness and... Um, mm. You know, and I, and I think that helps them to, to grow and to understand a lot of these principles. Definitely. There's, um, there's a saying, I don't know where it comes from or who was accredited to it or started it, but it's from a, a strategy point of view, isn't it, or an organizational point of view, is, is be number one, but think like number two. And that, yeah. that keeps you on your toes. I know yeah. um, Samsung, for example, we work with quite closely, and they, they have a concept called relent, relentless discoverers, they call themselves, and they're obviously constantly making their existing product re- yeah, redundant and trying to constantly yeah. and they, they have that mindset of never being satisfied and it's yeah. quite it can be quite tiring if you don't actually uh, recognize what they're trying to do but if you if you grasp it mm. and you understand that it's about being the best you can be a bit like a bit like formula one yeah. isn't it? it's a classic example of that is they're constantly pushing the boundaries then it becomes you know mm. really really exciting yeah interesting stuff it and it's the same, you know, I think it, you know, it was written about in the, you know, the old black book, wasn't it? Mm, by James Kerr, yeah. where he, he mm. yeah, he, he, he talked about the fact that, you know, there's a whole chapter on, you know, when, when you're at, when you're at the top change, it, yeah. you know, almost using that as the principle of saying, because if you don't change when you're at the top, the only way is down. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I think it's a, it's a super mindset and like you say you've got to understand it because if you don't understand it you think you're being criticized for yeah. super achievement and yeah, yeah. You know, can be counterproductive but as, as a as, as a leader i think it's your responsibility to try and mentor and coach people to understand some of these principles and to and to live by them and, and then you have much more chance of building I think if you have an entire team that's thinking like that, you're mm. more likely to have a high-performing team. Absolutely. So, I know a lot of the work you're doing now and, and you're looking into the future of, of work and the future of leadership. What do you say you're going forward, you know, when we're looking at our children and you know, when they start to get to our age, you know, what what do you think they would have had to have done to to be a successful leader? Make sure that you have, you know, very, very self, you know, high self-awareness because mm. um, it allows you to, understand people better um, yeah. it allows you to empathize more it allows you to show more compassion so build self-awareness invite feedback go through you know constructive three 360s i think having that will be important but i think i think ultimately you know job job roles are going to job roles are going to change over time mm. 
And I think people who have a, a mindset of continuous learning are going to be probably the be better leaders over time. And they're also going to probably have more successful careers. So, you know, that ability to reinvent yourself through learning new skills is going to be is going to be so important. And part of that is that, you know, a lot of the a lot of the tasks that are being undertaken today will probably be undertaken by artificial intelligence or robots mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the future. And, you know, as that happens, you know, you, you need to be you need to be upskilling. You need to be able to, you know, put in place for yourself and for the people that you lead the facility to continue to learn and the, the, the ability to learn new skills. So I think that's going to be very important. I think leaders are going to need to have a, a huge amount of um, awareness of, you know, social issues. And, mm. you know, I think I think COVID has kind of really brought that home that, you know, we're now dealing with a global pandemic that nobody thought we'd ever be dealing with, you know, and, and now it takes as a leader the ability to deal with uncertainty. It, yeah. you know, you've got to be able to create, you know, hope for the future. But at the same time, you know, while you're showing compassion to people, you've still got to be able to make business decisions um, and probably be a little bit courageous in some of the directions that you take. So. I think uh, you know future leaders need to acknowledge that running a business will will not be purely about profit in future. It will be as much about underlying purpose mm. and, and acknowledging the you know acknowledging the social challenges that that we face and being able to fully understand personal in your company carbon footprint will be super important. People won't want to be led by you if you have a very narrow view of what success looks like. I think it has to be broader and I think it has to include the ability to understand, you know, how what people want, you know, how, how they see the world and, um, you know, give them variety in their in their tasks and their roles because that's what they're searching for. So, you know, and, and that, that generational difference, Graham, and you talked about it, mm -hmm. you know, what we want for our children, you know, that there's probably four or five different generational attitudes to work out there at the moment but they're all in the workforce mm. so you know a, a good leader is going to have going to have to understand the motivations of their employees more, more than ever and understand that you know work is is not everything to to everybody it's it's part of a more holistic approach to what they want from life and you, you have to you have to some way accommodate that uh, it's interesting. I, I was just when listening to this Joe I was thinking about Almost like What's levels like, of thinking really around. I, I need to know what's going on in the world. Yeah. I, I need to be aware of all the social issues. I need to know how that's going to impact on on us as an organization, as me as a leader and my team. Um, so I've got to be able to think in in that level. But then all the way down to I also need to think about myself and understand the self awareness and build my emotional intelligence and you know, get all that feedback and. Uh, but then it's sort of in between there, there's all these different levels, aren't there, of different, you know, the roles are going to change. I'm going to have to reinvent myself. I need to work in a more collaborative way. I need to have lots of courage and learning. I think learning, you used the word a lot there, didn't you, in terms of learning and that constant learning. And it's interesting when I, when I look at how organizations are configured now, I don't think anyone has any any sort of measurement around learning, do they? They, they don't have any KPIs or KRAs or whatever around mm -hmm. this concept of trust or learning or uh, all the things you mentioned there is uh, a lot of softer sides, aren't they, where we need to start to get that balance right, don't we, between 
moving away from just the management of the numbers and the EBITDA and the profit and all that sort of stuff to actually why are we really here? What's yeah. the impact we're actually having and how much value are we adding? And I think it'd be really interesting to to then start to to look at that in terms of people thinking about being conscious around what's the impact I'm having on not just me personally, but my team, my business, society. Um, I, you know, I think you're right. I think people are going to choose to work for companies that are more purpose-led, aren't they? That they will. Yeah, yeah. It's purpose beyond profit, isn't it? And that that's yeah. why, you know, yeah. and, and those companies will will attract the talent. I think, yeah. you know, that that's the people side. You know, on a kind of on an operational day-to-day side. I mean, we're going to have so much data, aren't we? I mean, you know, yeah. people talk about big data and you know the insights that companies now have on their customers and their employees. But it's, you know, the smart leaders will know how to analyze that data in order to narrow it down very quickly and make decisions. Mm. Because if, if you're not, if you don't have the right mindset as a leader, you're just going to be staring at a lot of data and not not maybe know what to do with it. So mm, I think absolutely. being able to also, you know, make decisions on pieces of data rather than on the whole thing is is also going to be important that you're going to need to be confident enough to make a decision without overanalyzing things which may take you know excessive time and resource so mm-hmm. uh, yeah how you deal with big data is going to be a challenge for leaders and how you cope with you know this this fast developing you know technology um mm-hmm. you know it may be industry specific it may just be general technology but you know you, you need to always have one eye on you know what difference can technology make and how is it you know, changing my my industry, my company. You know, how is it changing the way we work? Um, and, and I think so. you know, having having an eye on technology is going to be going to be so important. And linking that to, you know, we talked about this earlier. Is you know, keep keep striving for change, but also mm. you know, incubate lots of ideas. You know, find a way within you know mm. your organisation or company to keep incubating new ideas because. If you don't do it, somebody else will, you know, mm. and it, it may be, um, you know, it may be a, a startup that actually becomes your biggest threat to yes. your company because, yeah. you know, it, it's 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 using technology in a different way. So I think, um, you know, all companies need to have, have, you know, have innovation as a way of working, not not as a strategy, but, you know, inherent in the way they think. Mm. It's moving away from the leader being the expert, isn't it? Where you know it's not possible now, is it, to keep up with the technology and artificial intelligence and all this data that's coming through and new ways of working. It's just not possible to to grasp all that. So, I guess this is where the art form comes, isn't it? Really, you're now you're now leading people who are technically brighter and cleverer and know more about this sort of stuff than you do. You don't know what the solutions are, so. It's not yeah. about you coming up with a solution anymore. It's about how you work with these people and how you collaborate yeah. with them. Exactly. And how you have this diversity it, of thoughts, isn't it, really, where you start to pull all this together, like in an art form, as you say, and then and get to the right decision going forward. Uh, and but obviously doing that in an agile way as well. So that, you know, that step-by-step yeah. approach rather than I need to know the end-to-end project lifecycle of this. But I know, I know where we want to get to. I know what the vision is, but not sure how we're going to get there yet. But this is the first step and I'm comfortable with that. And, I think that's a big step in it for you know, certainly leaders our age, I guess, to to actually start to embrace that and start to to work in a different way. Yeah, no, well said, Graham. Absolutely right. I think um, you know I've kind of written a piece about you know reverse mentoring, which is where mm-hmm. you know CEOs and C-suite level and business owners are are actually mentored by 
you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds in their business who, who have a much deeper understanding of some of the things that, you know, will be influencing the business today and tomorrow. And, mm. you know, we can we can all learn from, you know, from 20 year olds who have a deeper understanding of a particular technology or software. And, you know, it's only it's only arrogance that would probably stop us reaching out and saying, well, actually, I'm going to spend some time in my organization with these people and mm, ask mm. them to teach me and not yeah. not be not think that in some way that undermines my leadership, which is yeah. probably where the mindset used to be. Um, yeah, you definitely. Know, so, it, you know, you, we've got to move towards these much more flatter structures, you mm. know, where these hierarchical barriers are, are removed. And you can only do that through two way trust. Mm. Um, and mm. um you know, I, I certainly I've found in dealing with younger generations in business that, you know, that they're, they're super happy to talk to me on a level and yet respect my position. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, we're going to leaders of the future are going to have to acknowledge that and certainly not remain in, you know, remain mm. in an ivory tower because I think they'll miss, you know, there'll be a big vacuum there and they'll 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 miss a lot of, you know, really important mm. insight. And this is where it links into what you said before around you know, leading with questions isn't it? around, yeah, I'm, I'm not there to to direct and have the answers anymore. I'm, I'm there to think through what are the right questions I should ask people to to get to the outcomes we need. And I get, yeah, we don't, we don't really get taught that do about how to ask the right questions. Or I think one of the things I, I've noticed as well is that we don't get a, a lot of development around the art of conversation. Yeah. How do you have a real in-depth deep conversation with people when you're not really sure what the answers are but you've got all these people in the room and, and or, or virtually these days and I need to have a really in-depth conversation with them to pull out some of these ideas and get them to be able to I suppose generate and be comfortable with challenging me and and get used to sort of throwing ideas around so we can actually have a, a real good debate and, and that active confrontation uh, that, that is good really isn't it and having that discussion so there's new set of skills that are coming out and they were almost like yeah I, I think you know finding a way in a process yeah to, to break down those hierarchical you know barriers I think is is really important you know mm. connecting with people on a human level yeah uh, and there yeah. are very kind of processes I know which yeah. you know very quickly do that and I think you know leaders in the future are going to have to find a way to you know, be be connecting with with people at all levels within their organisation, mm. uh, because if they're not connecting, then you know there's a risk of you know not everybody kind of being aligned and not everybody focusing on the same mm. you know purpose. Um, so you know, leaders of, leaders will have a challenge in the future of how they communicate, but you know the technology is there to do it, and mm. um, you know, but it, it's about leadership leadership mindset isn't it of Definitely. you know gone are the days of dictatorial hierarchical approaches to to, to leadership um you know i don't see i don't see a place for that and no and, and often you know blame culture can accompany that leadership style i was just thinking when you told us that story when you were a youngster and you were looking to get out of where you were and you you thought you looked at, at the world and the people who have suits on are the ones that are really successful uh, yeah. i guess now it's it's different now isn't it it's the people who got the ripped t-shirts and the jeans on the, it, is, <laughs> the, it is i aspire to my uh, <laughs> on a t-shirt graham but, how the yeah. how the world's changed eh, in terms of that and, and it is it is fascinating because I, I can remember 
I can when you told that story, I remember leaving the military and getting my first job and thinking, I haven't got a suit. And I remember going out and, and buying my suit and you know, feeling very proud that I'd made it. And it, just like you, I, got, I had a suit and they gave yeah. me a company car and I thought, wow, I've made it. I'm successful now. <laughs> Uh, but but now it's like uh, completely different, and we've got these younger people with fresh ideas. And I guess that you know that phrase I think that you mentioned before around when people start talking from well from you know we're in a meeting and they go well from my experience I think we should do this. That's almost like an alarm bell now, isn't it? In the future, if when someone says well from my experience, it's almost like you're thinking well actually that's experience from the past. You know the, the world's now different. It might be relevant of course, but it but it might not be, and it's not always that experience that we need anymore. We almost like need people who have the experience of the art form don't we the the art of getting decisions rather than yeah. the right decisions that makes sense yeah and i think you know you know we didn't i think we woke up quite late to you know emotional quotas didn't we you know we mm. used to have iq but not eq and i yeah. think you know that that that's increasingly been welcomed i mean you know um i'm not familiar with university curriculums but you know there should be degrees in leadership um yeah. Yeah. in a way you can prepare people with you know, with, with as much coaching and mentoring on these topics as possible before they go into a in, into a workplace, because you know, certainly in my experience, a lot of you know, a, a lot of companies fail or a lot of you know results are not achieved because of a lack of good leadership. And mm. Um, mm. you know, it, it it is something that you know, I, I think Simon Sinek was the one who who started to promote you know, be a student of leadership as, yeah. as a functional area, and I think. You know, I think he's absolutely right. And you know, what once you get into the topic, you realise you're never complete as a leader. I think I think that's the thing. It is, yeah. It's always evolving. It's always changing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, leadership skills vary according to circumstance and situation. And absolutely, you know, it's contextual, isn't it? It's absolutely contextual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. You've got some some great principles coming out though in terms of I always say that you can't you can't lead a team or organisation unless you can lead yourself first. So that whole thing around self-awareness and emotional intelligence and all, all those key things are really important there and this this concept of, of getting really comfortable around agile working building trust empowerment courage learning you know, constantly improving what you do adapting and reinventing yourself on a regular basis but having a a leadership philosophy that you can actually articulate in terms of your leadership legacy Stuart what what would you what would you like people to describe you as from a leadership point of view so if you're getting your 360 now <laughs> what, what what would people what would what would you like people to say about you what would yeah uh, that's a great question i think i think one of the um one of the ways i'd like to respond to that is to say you know ask the people that i've led in the past ask the mm. people who have worked with me and and for me and you know you know ask them what their opinion is i think you know i'd, I'd certainly like to think that you know i when I've been working in company environments that and where I've had responsibility for the organization that I've left those organizations in, you know, with strong foundations for sustainable mm. success and high performance. I think I think as as a leader, you can be, you know, you're as much measured on on the legacy and the, the success of what you leave in place. I mean, mm. I, you know, when you leave a company, if everything falls apart, you know, I, I think I think you can question yourself as a leader. I think you need to create something that's got continuity. I think, you know, when you look at you know the great teams teams in in football as an example, mm -hmm. um, you know Barcelona, you know that they, they have some core ethos, core values that 
you know, are, are still in place. You know, the All Blacks, you know, is the same mm. thing um, mm. that continue regardless of, you know, who who the ultimate leader is, because, you know, values and beliefs and behaviours are, you know, uh, are kind of set in stone a little bit. And, and that's mm. why, you know, I take great pleasure from seeing organisations that I've led do incredibly well after I've departed. And, mm. you know, other people would, you know, could selfishly want it to maybe yeah, yeah. not be so successful. But um, it's a part of my legacy is leaving companies that continue to perform well. Um, mm. And 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 really, you know, for individuals to say that, you know, maybe, maybe I, made, you know, I made a small contribution towards their own career success, you know, it's mm. very important to me. Um, you know, you know that in my time at you mm. know Bonac in the UK, four of my senior team all went on to become managing directors themselves. And mm. if they if they said I made a small contribution to that, then to me that would be a that would be a strong legacy. I think as a in 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 a, in a physical way, um, you know, I'm writing about my leadership beliefs and insights. I'm I'm in the process of writing a book, which is actually it's entitled Elephant Leadership. I like that. Okay. Uh, and um, but you know that's kind of just bringing out you know the fact that they you know they highly respect each other. They're very empathetic animals with 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 huge power, but they don't abuse it. And um, I think as um, you know as as a symbol of my leadership, I think it's a you know particularly a particularly good one. So um, yeah, so that that would be you know I think if anybody said to me as a leader, I respected them. And they trusted me would would be enough legacy for me, Graham. Perfect. Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's great. And having worked with you, I can certainly echo that in terms of what you've created. And and I like the idea about the fact that you know, the business you've created is sustainable, and people have developed and grown and and improved and had future success as well. So, I definitely vouch for that. Have you found writing the books? I know I've written a couple of books, and and it's very I found it very cathartic, and it was yeah. very challenging actually to get your thoughts down on paper, isn't it? In terms of that I suppose for me it gave me a lot of clarity about what I thought about Alicia. But how, how have you found that that process, that journey? No, well, I I started writing more as you say, you know, more more of a cathartic process. Really, I had I had so many thoughts going on in my mind. I I was also for a period of time being being led by an individual who had different set of leadership values to me, which I you know it was very uncomfortable yeah. working with with someone with a different set of values. So I really needed to underpin my own you know my own belief so i i started really just writing headlines down of you know things i believed in you know things like just you know the power of saying thank you mm. or trust your people because there's no other way or you know why purpose matters to people you know mm. just 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 topics that instinctively mm. came to mind and then i would i'd write below that you know in terms of what that really meant and maybe some examples around it and um you know, I, I think, um, you know, it doesn't, you know, I think there's down millions of hundreds of leadership books out there. Yeah. Many of them are very good and don't actually get read. But, um, you know, I, I think a, a good leadership book very, very visibly feels like the leader that's written it yes. rather than, uh, you know, just a textbook. textbook so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I think you're always wondering whether whether your thoughts mean something to someone else or whether you can mm. put a tangible call to action against some of them. So I think that there are challenges around writing a leadership book that, that matters. But, you know, from from my background and, you know, I'm certainly not a victim, but from my background and upbringing, you know, to go from, from that to a senior vice president of a billion pound company, 
I, I would kind of say if if I can do it, anyone can do it. And 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 these are you know this is the way that I approach leadership, and it's worked for me. It may vary for others, but if I can share something and it means something to someone, then you know I've achieved something. I think you're right. I think for me, it's yeah, a lot of books are research based, aren't they? And it's what other people think, and they they then create a formula for success and things like that. Whereas I guess what you're saying there, you're talking from the heart, aren't you? From what you really believe in and what you found successful for you and whether people believe that or not, it doesn't really matter because it's what you believe and that's your your approach and your philosophy and obviously it's been very successful for you and I guess people have to take that, don't they? Challenge it in their, their own thinking but then start to create their own beliefs, their own view of, of leadership and create their own way of working and their own insights and I think as you said there, it's, it's constantly changing, isn't it, around you know, in terms of the context. So. It's, yeah. it's an ongoing ongoing basis so i think yeah. with it being an art form it's it's not a, it's not an art, a science or such isn't it? it's just about what you really believe at the moment it is and you know when i've been asked to do a couple of leadership kind of keynote presentations and speeches i mean you know you're the expert in the coaching side of this grain but you know I'd, i would i would always encourage people you know to look here's here's 10 of my leadership values and i, mm-hmm. I don't write leadership values down in a in a single word they're kind yeah. of a an action or a behavior because it's the way that I work or how I see yeah. things and and I, I say to everybody you know at the end of this session you know I want you to write down your own whether it's yeah. four five six ten values write them down write down mm-hmm. what's important to you that you know it might be you know treat everybody the way you want to be treated yourself or you yeah. know or you know I, I have one which is don't look in the rear view mirror for too long yeah. you know because you can't <laughs> yeah. change the past so you know there's various sayings that help to you know put a little bit of understanding and context into your values that um you know help people to understand who you are and then you mm. know if you are in a position where you're leading people then you can share your values and you know quite openly and um mm. Mm. you know but, but i have found that they've they've evolved over time and that occasionally i drop one or i add one or one becomes yeah. more yeah. important and you know, so you start to realize it's quite, you know, leadership values, you, you're trusted because, you know, you act in line with your values. And even if your values are not necessarily somebody doesn't agree with it, the fact you live to it and mm. you're true to it means you're authentic. And absolutely, you know, to me, that's where authentic leadership comes from, which is being being true to your value. Absolutely. So when, when's the book coming out then? I'm <laughs> <laughs> going. All right. Look great. <laughs> You know how long it takes to refine these things, but um, yeah, my my aim is for to have it completed by the end of the year, and and it's still evolving. It's still a moving feast. Yeah. I, I, I guarantee you, once you've written it, you think, oh, I want to write another one now because there's stuff I missed out or stuff I want to change or whatever and things like that. So it's yeah. an ongoing process. So yeah, it's not like a, you could have like a trilogy, couldn't you, of leadership stuff and leadership yeah. ramblings or leadership conversations or whatever they are. So. How do um, how do people find out about you and, and what you're up to now? Because I know you're doing lots of uh, interesting stuff at the moment. So how do we find out about more about what you're doing? Yeah, well, I, I mean, first of all, I mean, anybody, I'm very open to, you know, people connecting with me, you know, particularly through LinkedIn, uh, which I use quite actively. I put a lot of posts out there on some of my leadership thoughts and, and beliefs. I've also um, done quite a lot of mentoring and coaching through um, through LinkedIn. Um, and I'm very happy to try and help people if, you know, if they need a little bit of support, either in leadership or or in business, um, the best way to contact me is, pro- is probably through the LinkedIn right. site. But um, but no, I've also joined, as you know, the um, a group called the Future Work Forum, 
which is made up of uh, 25 partners, all of which are experts in their own field. You know, they've got a lot of experience in in either business or academic organisations, and and as a group, we come together every every two weeks at the moment. You know, virtually rather than mm. physically, and we're a think tank, so we explore ideas and thoughts and research on you know what the future of work looks like you know and what type of leadership is is going to be most effective on what office space you know may look like in the mm. future on trends regarding remote working how important sustainability is going to be and um, we also provide a lot of these insights to business schools around the world as well so that they mm. can either use it with their students or even use it to redesign, you know, part of their curriculum. So very inspiring group of people and very inspiring forum to be part of. And again, you can follow the Future Work Forum um, on LinkedIn. You get free access to all the articles and um, all the new information and insights that, that we're generating. So, yeah, that, that, that's that been a great way, you know, to spend my time. And, mm-hmm. and I'm also planning, uh, you know, to, to get back into industry uh, towards the end of the year. Fantastic. I, I love the concept of future workers. I think we, we've, in the past, we've lived in a world that is based on research-based concept of looking backwards, haven't we, where if so-and-so did this, then that's what you need to do, whereas the world's moving so fast now that we need to start thinking, don't we, and have these discussions around, well, what do we think the future looks like, and, and then trusting that insight and ideas and then building capability now so that when, when that does come, we'll be successful. So I love the idea of that, and certainly something I, I'm going to get involved in as well and start to think in, about the future because I'm really fascinated about what is the future of leadership and uh, I guess that forum will really help me with that with my thinking and, and meeting some of the guys there. So I'll certainly be joining that. So I'll put all these links. I'll put your LinkedIn, your personal LinkedIn uh, link into the speaker's notes. So the, I should say the the podcast notes. And uh, I'll also put a link to the future work forum as well. So a, a big thank you, Stuart. It's been great. I could talk to hours for you around leadership in terms of your thoughts and ideas. And I know we have in the past. So a, a big thank you for me for your time and uh, i wish you well and uh, obviously let me know when the book's coming out so i'll uh, I'll certainly put an order in for that and uh, i'll be really fascinated reading it and uh, bringing to life some of the conversation we've had today but it's been really insightful thank you very much no brilliant thank you for giving me the opportunity graham it's been a very very enjoyable discussion as ever and um you know i I wish you every success as well in uh, in in your future endeavors and um yeah enjoyed the call so thank you absolutely okay thanks to your star thank you very much A big thank you for listening to the Leadership Laid Bear podcast with me, Graham Wilson. For more information on our guest leader and to find out how we can support you, check out the links in the description and look out for our next Leadership podcast. Remember, Leadership is all about taking action. Make sure you connect and apply the lessons learned. Have fun and bye for now.